You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This sermon is entitled, It's Time to Grow. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. I want to invite you to open your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 as we continue our journey uh, through the book of 1 Corinthians. So pleased to have a Gideon speaker here. Uh, they do so much, and I respect them so much. Uh, Michael, you don't know much about my story, but I used to be a, an airline pilot, so I spent a lot of times in hotel rooms, and uh, I picked up a lot of Gideon Bibles, and I found a lot of stuff written in them Gideon Bibles. And I also picked up books of Mormon and other stuff found, so it's good to have that asset uh, there in our hotels. One of the first Gideon Bibles I ever received was as a, I think I was probably in fifth grade, the Gideons came to our school, and uh, man, I appreciate that so much because our kids get handed a lot of stuff in school nowadays. It's good to know they can get a Gideon Bible. Let me begin today by sharing you uh, about a time that, that I went to school. A few years ago, uh, for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea, and they did too. I got called and asked to substitute teacher day. And this was a private school, so it would not be just one class. It was going to be for a variety of classes. And they kept telling me, Kevin, if you can get through the first period, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. I'm like, well, what's the first period? You know, is it detention? Is it some honorary kids? What is it? Well, no, that's the, that's the pre-K or the kindergarten class. I can't remember. And you're going to be in there alone for just an hour. Just play a video. They'll be okay. And I'm just like, how bad can this possibly be? It's just... It's just some kids. It's just a, a video. And I didn't have any kids at this point yet. And uh, I sat in there for an hour. And I, I heard 100 different things from 20 different kids. And it was, just, it was just chaos. It was so out of order. And I got through that period. And then uh, later on, the next class was a junior high age. That was the ones I was worried about. But, you know, the, the junior high, it was so much more orderly than the young people, than the, the kindergartners. Uh, that had its challenges. Then I got through that. And then the day finished with me having high school seniors. And I saw that day as I began in the first period and as I ended in the last period, what a difference 10 years can make. Kids that didn't have any order, any boundaries, or anything like that, just a little bit. Then by the end of the day, the seniors came in. They had their assignments. They sat there. They did their work. They were ready to go home. They were like me, ready to graduate and be done. Maturity makes a big difference. That brings me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. We went through the first two chapters, and we've been trying to go verse by verse, just taking this slow and steady, seeing about what Paul and the Corinthians were dealing with. Uh, thus far, you've seen that the writer is Paul, and you've seen one problem, really, the problem of division. But in addressing the problem of divisions, he's addressed things like intellectualism. He's addressed things like the Holy Spirit, like wisdom, and just diving down deeper and deeper into the root. And then in chapter 3 today, we're going to read... What I've entitled the sermon that really the, the, the heart of the heart of the matter is these divisions were happening is because these Corinthians were not really growing in their faith. It's the first rebuke Paul gives them in the letter. 
And we're going to see, I believe today, in these 11 verses we're going to read, what it looks like to be born again, what it looks like to grow and mature as a Christian. In these verses, you get a picture of what it looks like to be an immature Christian. And then you get a picture of what it looks like to be a mature Christian. And I hope you'll leave today a little bit more mature than when you came in. I hope you'll leave in here today, if nothing else, as an infant in Christ rather than being without Christ. So let's begin to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll start in verse 1. Paul writes, And I, brethren, I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Once again, I remind you, we get a good insight of how Paul uh, how Paul taught, how Paul evangelized, and how Paul did all that he did. And one thing he did was becoming all things to all people. And the first truth we see right in verse 1 is that different maturity requires different communication. Paul wanted them to know that different people must be addressed in different ways. When he came to them, like we, like we read in chapter 2, verse 1, he did not come with eloquent words or persuasiveness because they were carnal. They were... They were lost. They were of the flesh. That's why it says in chapter 2, verse 1, he didn't use these eloquent words. And after their conversion, he had to address them as babes in Christ. So look, church, I want you to know. I want you to know this morning that people at different walks in life must be spoken to. They must be taught and even fed in different ways. When you're sharing biblical truths with non-believers, you would be wise to avoid speaking in what Greg Laurie calls Christianese. Michael, I'd love to know how those conversations go uh, with those in your car, your gospel conversations. How would it go if you asked one of them, hey guys, have you been washed in the blood? Have you been justified? Are you ready for the rapture? Even speaking to, to new believers, we'll... We'll be wise to be careful not to overwhelm them. Our job is to help them grow in the deep understanding of God's truth. Like I said, Paul's manner of teaching and preaching was becoming all things to all people so that he may win some. And one of the ways he did that, one of the ways that we can do that is to meet people where they are. Different maturity requires different communication. I remember when I was, uh, it's been a few years ago, Jeremiah was, he didn't have any teeth yet. And I remember sitting in front of him, he was probably six months old, and we ordered a Johnny's Pizza. And me and Carissa ate that Johnny's Pizza. And by the way, Johnny's in Winsboro is the best pizza you'll ever get. It just is. And I ate that pizza in front of him, and I looked at it, and I could tell the boy wanted it. And I said, Jeremiah, you're going to love this one day. And I could tell you, he does. I could tell he wanted it. But the truth is, he could not consume it. He didn't even have teeth yet. So I, or Carissa rather, gave him exactly what he needed to nourish his little body, to help him grow. And now the day has come where he can almost out-eat me on that Johnny's pizza. So what are we to do with this verse 1? Well, there's two ways to apply this. One, apply this by being a teacher and understand where people are at. There are spiritual truths that even the most carnal, the most fleshly people can understand. 
You don't have to be a, a Rhodes Scholar. You don't have to have a Masters of Divinity to understand the problem of evil. Look in Israel. Look around our world. Look at racism. Look at prejudice. You don't need to have a great deep understanding of the Bible to understand the problem of evil. You can offer them a simple, simple biblical reason for evil, for sin. The reality that nobody is good. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to share with somebody the reality of death. That everybody dies. Offer them a biblical worldview. Meet them where they are at. But apply this also as being a learner. And realize that it is absolutely, positively okay that you as a new believer, that some things are just out of your grasp right now. There are some things that, that, that are out of my grasp. There are some things that I've not quite got there yet. But church, I want to encourage you to not be happy on the bottle, to desire to grow, to desire to know the deep things. Like we said last week, the Spirit desires to reveal Himself to you. The deep truths about God's Word. Babies are meant to grow into maturity. And this is where the first rebuke comes. And this is where the, the big problem comes in that Paul says in the next few verses. Look in verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men for when one says i'm of paul and another i'm of apollos are you not carnal are you not of the flesh now look this is the danger the danger of being a carnal christian or a fleshly Christian. Paul rebukes them for the first time in this letter, telling them that they were not able to receive, to understand the deeper spiritual truth because they were still carnal, they're still in the flesh. And why is he rebuking them? Because here's the thing. Like I said, it's fine to have things out of your grasp. It's fine to be a baby in Christ. But here's the thing. Four solid years had went by. Four years had went by since Paul had planted this church. And still, after four years, they're still what you might say on the bottle. They're still on the milk. And he explains to them why. He goes, look, you're, you're still fleshly. You're still fleshly minded. You still look like you're still listening. And you're still putting your trust in mere men when you should be looking and listening and putting your trust in Christ. These things he lists, envy, strife, divisions. These are things the world does. These are not things that mature Christians should do. It was time for these believers to grow up. And I argue, church, it's time for many in the church today to do the same thing. Having the mind of men, seeking the mind of men will keep you from having the mind of Christ. These things he lists are recipes to keep you on the bottom. Envy, strife, divisions, behaving like mere men does nothing, absolutely nothing for your spiritual growth. It keeps you on the bottle and it even keeps you in diapers. It's time to grow up is what Paul's saying. 
It's a harsh rebuke, and I'm sure they didn't like hearing it, but Paul had to say it. It's like, guys, if you want to get beyond this, if you want to see what God's got ahead of you, you've got to get off the flesh. You've got to get off the bottle, and you've got to put your mind on Jesus. You've got to mature. You've got to stop being fleshly. You've got to stop being fleshly minded. And you know, church, this is something that has happened ever since the formation of the New Testament church. We see this in other parts of the Bible as well. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 5.12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. The writer of Hebrews looks at his congregation, writes the Hebrews, and he says, listen, by this time, you guys should be doing what I'm doing. You should be teaching, and I've got to feed you milk and not solid food. This shouldn't be. You need to be growing. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2.2, he says, like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Peter's encouraging them to grow. He's like, hey, some of you are new Christians and you need to desire the word. You need to desire the spiritual things. You need to grow. And Jesus himself in John 16, 12 says that I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. Christ and his spirit wants us to grow up. He wants us to go from babies to toddlers, to teenagers, to adolescents, to young adults, to maturity. These Corinthians were four years into their walk with Christ, yet they're still behaving like lost people. I look at my four-year-old, and I will tell you, Esther, she's got a lot of growing up to do. She don't believe it, but she does. But I can tell you this, I look at her, she's far different today than she was four years ago. She can walk, she can talk, she can talk with manners, even she's potty trained, hallelujah. And like I said, she's got a lot of growing up to do for sure, but she's far different than the day she was born. Church, there's something wrong with a Christian that looks the same today as he did when he gave his life to Jesus four or even 40 years ago. The application for this is, is pretty simple. Decide today that you're going to start growing. Don't be content where you're at. Growing up means putting aside the things that, that you know, that you know, that you know, that are keeping you from growth. I can tell you, church, there are things that we do and things that we don't do that keep us from growing. And most everybody in here knows them. Holding on to resentment, looking at, at, at men as, as idols, embracing sin. Strife, all this stuff, it keeps us from growing. And there's a real danger in that. Paul wouldn't have said so if it was not the case. So you get a picture here of what immature believers look like. It looks just like that kindergarten class I shared about. When one says, well, my favorite teacher is this person. My favorite teacher is this person. My dad can beat up your dad. This, this and that, this and that. That's what's going on in the Corinthians. That's what goes on in our schools. And a lot of times that's what goes on in our churches. So what does a mature believer look like? Well, 
Paul tells us in the next couple of verses. What does a mature believer look like? Here's some marks of maturity. Look in verses 5 through 8. Paul says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You see Paul and you see Apollos. And in this, I see a beautiful picture of what we should all aspire to. Paul explains to them these men whom they looked up to so much. And they really did. They really looked up to Paul, Apollos and Cephas. So much so that they had become divided over. He explains to them exactly who they are. And he explains to them exactly what mature believers look like. They're just ministers with different roles. He says, ultimately, they're nothing but servants. Verse 7, he says, he who plants, that's Paul. He who waters is Apollos. Put it in your bulletin. We're nothing. We're nothing. It's God that gives the increase. He's saying, guys, listen, maybe he appreciates it. I don't know. But basically he's saying, you're giving us men far, far too much credit. You are where you are today because of God. God used me and God used Apollo, sure. But ultimately, we're just laborers. We're just servants. And he also explains that a mark of a true believer Look what he says in verse 8. Now he who plants Paul and he who waters Apollos, mature Christians, what are they? They're one. The mark of a true, mature believer is unity. He said we're one. We're not divided. Why are you divided? Church, many times we get so caught up in arguments and division, we cannot see the truth that's right in front of our very, very eyes. Paul never once critiques Apollos. As a matter of fact, he says, we're one. We're on the same team. And I'll tell you, church, I will ask the same question this morning that Paul asked of the Corinthians. He says, who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? I asked this morning, who then is Kevin? Who then is Billy Graham? Who then is Charles Spurgeon? Who then is David Jeremiah, Greg Larley? Who's Lloyd Whitman and who is Joy, Drew Gardner? You know who we are? We are servants being used in different times and different ways. God gives the believer a task. And it may not be the task you and I are desire, but we do it because we are His servants and God uses us. He speaks through us and He works through us. And whatever increase comes, it will not come because of Brother Kevin. It will not come because of any one person. It will come because of God Almighty. God gives the increase. The Bible could not be more clear. So don't put all your trust in Brother Kevin. Pray for me. Support me. Appreciate me. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, sure. But don't put all your trust in me because it's God that gives the increase. 
I've watched so, so many silly arguments from all sorts of people over all sorts of things, and usually it's the silliest arguments that cause the greatest division. And I'm telling you, church, arguments and divisions would stop if we would aspire to be mature Christians like Paul and Apollos. If we would say, you know what? You may teach this way. I teach this way. We're teaching the same thing. We're teaching different people, different places. But at the end of the day, we're one. We're servants of the highest God. And we realize that God alone is the author and finisher of our faith. And He's working out His master plan. It's not my plan. It's His plan. It's not your plan. It's His plan. And any increase that comes will come from Him alone. You want to get God's house in order and grow. Grow into this mindset of being all that Christ wants you to be. Apply this this morning. But putting yourself in the proper place, swallow your pride. It had to take, it had to be a big deal for Paul and Apollos to do this. I mean, they were literally being worshipped. It's the way I read it. But Paul says, no, I'm humble. So may we be humble as Paul and Apollos were humble. Ask God to be used wherever and however He sees fit. If He calls you to plant, well then plant. If He calls you to water, then water. But trust Him to give the increase. Also, apply this this morning, church, by trusting that God knows what He's doing and don't fight over the teaching styles of men. Goodness gracious. Because according to the Bible, according to the Apostle Paul, we're but nothing. We're nothing but servants. That's the mark of a mature believer. I realized a long time ago that the, the more I learn, the, the less I feel qualified. The more I, I know, the more I realize there's a lot I don't know. And that's what growing as a Christian looks like. Paul finishes in this line of thought in verses 9 through 11. And we'll talk about the, the building next week, but... Let's read on. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. That's who we are, Paul and Apollos. You, Corinthians, you're God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This morning is a reminder and an invitation to be one body built on one foundation. Paul's not being prideful or boastful here saying he's a master builder. But he is because he built it not in Apollo or Paul's name, in Christ's name. Paul explains to them who he is, who Apollos is. He explains to them who the listeners are, fellow workers in God's field. God's building, everyone has a role. Paul wants them to understand that God gave them the task to build, to plant the church. But it's not built on the foundation of Paul, Peter, or Apollos. It's built on Christ Jesus. And every believer, every believer has a part of that building. And part of this building is is members of the body of Christ. Some in this audience likely felt that Paul or Apollos had done their work in their name and for their glory. Because that's what humans do. 
We want all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. But Paul says that's not the case. He was given a task and he did it. We would be wise to do whatever we're called to do for the glory of God alone. We'll talk more about it next week. But you know churches today are built on all sorts of things and has been the case throughout history. Some are built on emotionalism. Some are built on miracles. Some are built on men. And those churches, they will not withstand the test of time because here's the thing. It's just like a, a burning fire. If there's a fire, people come out to see it. But you've got to keep making the fire bigger and bigger and bigger. Because when it burns out or when it goes down, people are going to leave. But the true church, the true church is built on the foundation, nothing less than Christ himself. If you're looking for a church to join, if you're looking for a church to serve, if you're looking for a church to love and a church to build up, it needs to be a church built on the foundation of Jesus Christ himself. Be thankful this morning to be part of a church that's built on the foundation of Christ Jesus. Church that takes the time to sing theologically correct hymns, praise music. A church that teaches sound doctrine and Sunday school, the Bible. A church that goes through the Bible. And a church that's not bending to culture, but is asking the culture to come to Christ. Serve this church, love this church, and help it be all that it can be because it's not the house of Brother Kevin, it's the house of God. Paul wanted them to know that God had great intentions for this church. For it to be all it could be, they had to grow up. For them to get over the divisions, for them to get over the strife, the arguments, for them to get over the flesh, they had to mature in the faith. They had to be more than a carnal Christian. There's so much to be said about this. But let me just say as we get ready to give an invitation in just a minute. This all sounds great. It all sounds wonderful and it sounds easy to apply. But you can't grow unless you've been born. You can't grow Unless you've been born. A baby cannot grow unless it starts breathing air. Unless it's outside the womb. That's when the... Well, even before that, even in the womb, it's growing. You can't be born until you've been created. Well, spiritually speaking, church, let me tell you. You cannot grow and know what Christ wants you to be until you have been born again. Jesus says you have to be born again. So, church, I just ask you this morning. I really wonder a lot of times... A lot of times, how many people are not maturing in their faith because they can't do it? Because they've got a head knowledge, they don't have a heart knowledge. You can't mature in your faith if you don't have the faith to begin with. If you've never been born again, you can never grow into a toddler. You can never grow into an adolescent. You'll never be a mature Christian until you're first a baby Christian. So I invite you this morning... If you've never made that decision, if you've never came to a place where you just repented of your sins and you asked God to come into your life, make you a new creature, 
Where you trusted in Jesus to, to take your sin and bestow upon you His righteousness. If you've never been born again, I plead with you this morning, wherever you're at, whenever you can, during the invitation, I plead with you to do it. That's where truth is found. It's at the cross. I plead with you to start a new life and to start growing. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you'll remember that different maturity requires different communication. I hope you'll realize the danger of carnal Christians, that you'll aspire to be a mature believer, and that you'll be part of one body built on the one true foundation. I hope you'll come visit us in Dry Prong sometime for worship. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Have a great week.